Welcome, as Jarrett said, to Soul City Church. It's great to have you here tonight. My name is Jeannie, uh, for those of you that I haven't met yet, and uh, I'm excited. We are in uh, our third week of this series called uh, Resolution Revolution, and uh, it's hard to say, so I'm going to say it a little bit slower. Uh, Resolution Revolution, And, and in this series, we've been talking about how so often when it comes around to January, when we get to this time of the year, you know, there's all sorts of things that we want to change about our lives and things we want to do better. And so we make these things called resolutions. But we've been talking about the fact that oftentimes what happens is we have all of the right intention with our resolutions, but we head in the wrong direction with them. Uh, that we have great, great intentions about our resolutions, but oftentimes we get down the wrong direction. We start going down the wrong path. And, and a bunch of us have actually been on this uh, journey with one another over the last couple of weeks. We've actually been taking a challenge, and it's been happening via our cell phone. How many of you are doing the Resolution Revolution Challenge with your cell phone? So the rest of you are like, what on earth is she talking about? So here's what I'm going to actually ask you to do. I'm going to have you take your cell phone out, uh, which normally we ask you to keep it in your pocket and turn it off at church, but I'm actually asking you to take it out. Don't like start returning text messages right now. It's probably not the best time to do that. But what we're going to have you do is actually text to this number 313131. And in the body of your message, all you have to type out is Soul City. Okay? Soul City, nothing fancy anything like that, just 313131, type out Soul City, and you will get a little message. And over the next few weeks, we've been in this, it's a 28-day full challenge, we're about halfway through, Uh, you'll get a quick little message. How many of you just did it and you got it? A few of you? Okay, yeah. Uh, You will get a message uh, around 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning uh, with a little challenge for the day. It's been this really cool thing that we've all been doing together uh, as we try to take these resolutions and set them in the right direction, to have good intention even headed in the right direction. And not only have we actually been on this challenge with one another, uh, with this text message challenge, but we've also been memorizing a passage of scripture together. And uh, you know, part of the reason why we've actually been doing that is because this passage of scripture, and we're going to say it together in a few minutes, this passage of scripture, like when you sum up the Bible, when, when you take this entire book and you, and you try to you know, boil it all down, this passage of scripture, is one of those passages that Jesus regularly repeated. It was really important to him. And actually from cover to cover, it's sort of this thread that goes throughout the scriptures. And uh, it's actually found in the book of Mark, Mark 12. And and what ends up happening is Jesus, uh, I'll give you the quick short history, um, is that Jesus is teaching and he's, you know, he's engaging with a bunch of religious leaders. and, And one of these religious leaders comes up to him and says, you know, like, okay, listen, you've been saying a lot of stuff, you know, we've been hearing a lot of things, but listen, if you were to sum it all up, if you were to, you know, boil this all down, everything that you've been saying, what's the point? And Jesus then launches into this verse, which was actually first stated in the book of Deuteronomy back in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, if you want to boil it all down, if you want to, you know, get to what I'm really about, this is what I'm about. And this is the passage of scripture that we've been memorizing. It's found in Mark 12, verse 29 through 31. So we're going to read it together, okay? You good with reading it here with me? Okay, so it says, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater 
than these. So Jesus essentially was saying, uh, you know, to love God and to love others, you need to do that with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And I find it really interesting, you know, I mean, he could have just said like, you know, okay, here's the thing. You want me to, you know, give you the information. You want me to keep it simple. Love God, love people. I mean, he could have just said that. Like, if, if you want to understand who I am, what I'm about, what my father's about, love God, love people. But instead, he says, no, you are holistic people. You are a heart, you are soul, you are mind, you are strength. And I think when, when we think about those four categories, when we think about ourselves as, as these holistic people, I think it's easy for us to get the heart part of it, right? I mean, we looked at this last week. The heart is clear. Our heart is connected to our emotion, right? I mean, when, when it comes to what we feel, we usually think of our heart. And, and when we think about our minds, we think, you know, okay, that's what I think about. It's what, what I, you know, am, am contemplating in my mind. And, and when we think about strength, that's pretty simple because we go, okay, that that's connected to my energy, that's connected to my body, that's connected to, you know, how, how I operate in my, in my physical being. But the soul is an interesting one because, because many of us, when it comes to the soul, I think some of us just have this, this blanket question, like, what is a soul? Like, like, where is it? How does it work? You know, is it something that I can see? What, what, what is a soul? And, you know, honestly, I mean, this is, this is a question that people have been asking literally for centuries. You know, it's very easy for us to say, like, you know, how are you feeling? Or, or what are you thinking? Or, you know, do, do you feel tired? Very rarely do we, do we say, like, how is your soul? Like, if, if someone were to ask you that question, you'd be like, I don't know, because I don't know where it is. You know, like, it, it's this, like, awkward thing. We don't know how to engage in the soul, but yet we all sort of know that it's essential and it's important and it, and it is a huge part of our makeup. And, and people have been wondering about the soul for centuries. In fact, about a hundred years ago, which was right at the turn of the century, there was this scientist and uh, he was a doctor by the name of Dr. McDougall, which I think is a great name for a doctor. Um, and Dr. McDougall wanted to prove that humans were more than flesh and blood and organs and water and tissue. And so he wanted to prove that we actually also had a soul and that the soul even had this physical mass to it. And so what he did was he actually went and found six dying patients and he placed them on these specially made scales, which I think would be an absolutely hilarious doctor-patient conversation. Like, patient comes in, hi, how are you doing? You know, what can I help you with? Well, doctor, I'm dying. Really? Can I weigh you? Like, I mean, it just, it's, like a, it's a great, interesting conversation between a doctor and a patient right away. And, and what's so amazing to me is when he did this whole experiment is that he actually found five men that were willing to do this experiment and one woman, which shows me that women still, even on their deathbed, do not want to be weighed. Um, you know, and I, I'm right there with them. If somebody came up to me and said, I want to put you on a scale right before you die, I would say no. I have one last moment of dignity. You will not put me on a scale. But, you know, I mean, so he's got, he's got these six people, okay? And they, they're willing to be weighed. They're, they're right, you know, on, the, on death's doors, and, uh, and they're willing to be weighed. And his whole experiment uh, was that what he was going to do was the second that they passed from life to death, he wanted to see what was going to happen. That's why they were on this special scale. And they found that the instant life ceased, that the scale actually fell with a suddenness, that literally it was almost like something had been lifted from the body. 
And immediately, you know, what they did was they took all of the normal deductions of, you know, what would happen, you know, with the physical loss of weight. And it was discovered that there was still sort of this leftover weight in the body. And, and the weight totaled the exact same in every single one of these six bodies. It came to the total of 21 grams. And some of you may have heard about this theory, the, the 21 gram theory. In fact, there was even a movie out, um, you know, a few years back. I don't know if any of you saw it. Sean Penn and Naomi Watts were in, and it was the title of the movie. It was actually called 21 Grams. But Dr. McDougall actually wanted to, to prove that there was some sort of mass within each of us that was, you know, of 21 grams. And so when you think about 21 grams, I don't know how well you are with, you know, you like weights and measurements and all that kind of stuff, but 21 grams essentially is the size of this cheese right here. This is like a wonderful picture. You want to picture your soul picture some string cheese. If the string cheese isn't working for you, uh, this is Laffy Taffy. This is exactly 21 ounces. Or if that doesn't work for you, this really works for me. One Reese's peanut butter cup, okay? One Reese's peanut butter cup is sort of the equivalent uh, of what, you know, 21 grams actually is. And and the soul is an interesting thing, you know, because when you think about it, okay, the size of string cheese or the size of a Laffy Taffy or, you know, the size of one Reese's peanut butter cup. Okay, so that's tiny. That's really tiny. But this thing, the soul, it's so important. And and, and it's this place where you can be deeply touched by God. It's this space where where the Holy Spirit can speak to you and, and we can experience comfort just as much as we can be convicted on something. And the soul, so many of us know this, that this is the space where, where God dwells within us. It's the space where our deepest levels of change and transformation can actually take place. But yet, you know, according to Dr. McDougall, it's the size of string cheese, you know? But yet so much depth happens in this space. In fact, one of the reasons why we named this church Soul City Church is the story behind the name of that is that we knew that in order to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus, that it had to happen, that that transformation, that that change had to happen at a soul level. And so that's why we named this church Soul City Church, so that people could be ushered into a soul-transforming relationship with Jesus. I think that's why Jesus said that we need to love God with our heart, with our mind, with our strength, and with our soul. And Jesus knows that in order for us to have true transformation, that it has to happen at a soul level. It doesn't happen by like being overly, overly religious and, you know, by reading your Bible at the exact same time every single day or, or by being a good person. Or it doesn't happen necessarily even by, you know, checking the box of church and, you know, making sure that you go every Sunday. And it's like, okay, you know, I did my thing. I checked the box. I went to church. My soul is going to be good for seven more days. True transformation doesn't happen unless it happens at a soul level. And every one of us, every one of us has one. And it's the place where God wants to most meet you. In fact, the Bible talks about this a lot. It talks about the fact that you and I were created for a process of transformation and for that process to happen within our soul. And that's the process of becoming the people that God actually intended us to be. But I think when you look at your life or when I look at my life, oftentimes 
for me, the most profound moments of change, the most profound moments of transformation were not necessarily moments that I planned for. They weren't moments that I walked into recognizing and realizing that like, okay, well, I'm walking into a soul transformation. Oftentimes they were from the unplanned moments. In fact, one of the questions that I most love to ask people when I'm first starting to get to know them, when when I'm first developing a relationship with them, is I love to ask them the question, you know, if you were to look at your life, if you were to look at what's happened all throughout your life, what would be one or two moments where you really experience transformation? And usually, if, if most people are honest with that question, the transforming moments in their life, they often come from either amazing moments of joy that, you know, they, they sort of planned were coming, or they often came from unplanned moments of pain. Like when, when you think about transforming moments and maybe even think about your own life, like think about the things that have happened throughout your life and the things that have most changed you, the things that have most transformed you. I mean, maybe there's some things in your life that have happened, you know, and, and when you think about them, they give you great amounts of joy. Like maybe it was a marriage or the birth of a child or it had something to do with, you know, a new relationship or, or moving to a new space or, or something that you so hoped was going to happen. It actually happened and, and that thing brought about great amounts of joy and and it led into this journey of transformation but my hunch is if you were to be really honest and if you were to think through your story there are probably equally the same amount of things that have happened along the way that have transformed you that have changed you that have brought about great amounts of difference in who you are that you look at that event in your life and you go oh my gosh after that thing happened i'm not the same person and my hunch is that thing was actually something of pain maybe it was a divorce in your family. Maybe it was a difficult relationship. Maybe it was a conflict that you were in with somebody and it just, it never seemed to get better. Maybe it was the loss of a job or the loss of an important dear loved one in your life. You see, transformation, it's oftentimes unplanned. But it's what we do with these moments of transformation that begin to change our soul. When we actually are in a moment where transformation is happening, it's what we do in that moment that our soul starts to change. And almost always soul transformation, it's a bit messy. It requires an incredible amount of honesty and authenticity. Oftentimes it produces more questions than it produces answers. It it very rarely is the kind of thing that if somebody puts like a spiritual band-aid over it and says like, God is good, that you walk away going, boy, I I really feel changed, you know. A spiritual band-aid very rarely helps spiritual transformation. But it's this open invitation and oftentimes it's not received because it's scary. It's scary to think about a soul transformation. But essentially, it's this process of metamorphosis. We all know what metamorphosis is. It's it's that process that happens to uh, a butterfly, right? But, But we know that it wasn't always a butterfly. It actually began as a caterpillar, right? And essentially, it's the caterpillar literally shedding its old skin. It's hibernating into this cocoon, and then it's transforming into something entirely new. It's literally changed from what it was. That's, that's the process of metamorphosis, and it's miraculous. It's something that it was always supposed to be. And Jesus invites, actually, each of us into that same process. That this process of metamorphosis is the process of transformation and that he longs for it to happen at a soul level. 
that he's actually invited each of us into this same kind of thing that we're supposed to shed our skin to, to sort of reemerge as something entirely new, something totally changed, something completely miraculous. And there's stories all throughout the New Testament where Jesus comes and he encounters somebody and they have this spiritual transformation where their soul is totally different after being with Jesus. And, and I think one of my favorites um, is actually uh, by, the guy, uh, by a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus has this awesome encounter with Jesus. And, and some of you, um, if you grew up in church, uh, you may know uh, the story of Zacchaeus by, by the song um, that, that people used to sing. You know, Zacchaeus was a man, a wee little man was he. Yes, he climbed up in. There you go. Yes. And so you either learned it through that very wonderful song or through the power of... Um, through the power of a flannel graph, um, which I, I really thought about resurrecting that tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, so many of us, you know, th- this is how we know about Zacchaeus. We just know about Zacchaeus as he was this like tiny, like, you know, guy in the Bible and he couldn't see Jesus. So he climbed up into this tree. And for many of us, that's like it. That's the story. That's, that's where it ends. And we're like, that's cute. You know, he climbed up in this tree and he saw Jesus. Yay. You know, and, and, and the story though, it's so much more. There's so much more going on in it. In in fact, what I love about this story is Zacchaeus is one of the most beautiful pictures of an actual soul transformation. Because of his encounter with Jesus, his soul is transformed. In fact, I'd love for you to turn in your Bible, if you have it, to Luke 19. If you don't, we'll have it up on the screens. But I want to read to you this uh, encounter that Zacchaeus has. And it says this, Luke 19, verse 1. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once. And welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. Look Lord here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. I mean, you can just sort of imagine Zacchaeus and, and what he must have felt in that moment. You know, out of all of the people that were there, you know, and, and it says that Jesus was teaching. So, you know, Jesus regularly, he drew crowds together. So, you know, it, of all the people that Jesus spotted, you know, of all the people that he started to talk to, it was Zacchaeus. Now, I'm sure that, you know, Zacchaeus caught his attention by the fact that he was actually up in a tree. Um, but, but he sees Zacchaeus up in this tree. And Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Come down from that tree. I want to spend time with you. 
I want to spend time with you. And, and then Jesus launches into the fact that, you know, he's a little hungry and he invites himself over for dinner, which, you know, the son of man, you know, he, anytime he wanted to eat, he was very good at, you know, inviting himself over to somebody's house for dinner, which I'm thinking about trying. And, and so, you know, Zacchaeus, you know, he goes, he goes home, he invites Jesus over, they have this meal together. And Zacchaeus in that moment somehow received the invitation of a lifetime. And after just spending one meal with Jesus, okay? They have dinner together. I've had dinner with a lot of people and my life has not changed after that meal. But after one meal, Zacchaeus has a brand new outlook on life. He has a brand new outlook on how he's supposed to treat others. He said, I'm going to give away half of my income. In fact, I'm even going to pay back four times the amount of people that I've cheated. This is what's amazing to me. Because most of us, our encounters with Jesus, we take baby steps when we start growing in our relationship with Jesus. And oftentimes, the very last thing that we allow to be transformed is our resources. But that was the first thing that Zacchaeus said, I'm going to let to be transformed. He went all the way to the jugular. He went all the way to his checkbook. It was literally like, okay, Lord, here's all of me. And he just said, you know, I am going to pay back those that I have cheated and I am going to give away half of what I have. Zacchaeus was transformed simply by being in the presence of Jesus. And here's what's so amazing to me about this encounter. Nowhere in this passage of scripture, there's not one ounce of this verse where it says Zacchaeus asked him to do these things. It was just because he was with Jesus that he was transformed. There was no part of of it where Jesus said, okay, Zacchaeus, here's the deal. Like, I need you to get your wallet out. You've been cheating a lot of people. We need to talk about this. Taxes are rolling around. You're going to be tempted to cheat again. You know, none of that happened in the encounter. Zacchaeus, just from being with Jesus, was transformed. And it started by him being willing to climb up a tree. It started by him being willing to do whatever it took to see Jesus. And some of us today, in some ways, we are at the bottom of a tree. And the thought of actually climbing up into it is a little scary to us. It feels risky. It feels uncomfortable. But yet we know that our life has us in a circumstance where we sense that the most important thing is for us to actually climb up into that tree. You know, when we talk about these soul transformations, these things that have happened, these things that are going on in our life, you may very well be in a life-changing situation right now. Something's altered, something's changed. You find yourself in a place where you didn't think life was going to turn out this way. And your tendency is to maybe not climb up into the tree to see what Jesus actually has to say to you about it. But that's the very thing that he's inviting us to do today. Whether planned or unplanned, the season of life that you're in, Jesus wants you to take a glimpse of him. And I can think through my own life. I can think through my own story. And I think about the ways that God has most transformed me over the years. One of the ways was planned. One of the ways I intentionally stepped into. It's been the process of starting this church. And God has transformed me over and over and over again at a soul level level where I have learned how to trust him 
to put my faith in him, to look at my resources entirely different. And that was something that I stepped into. But the other two ways that God has most transformed me were through unplanned moments in my life. If I could have written the script of my story, if I could have written the script as to how the life of Jeannie Stevens would have played out, I would not have put these two things in my story. One of them was through the loss of my dad. Another one was through the loss of a job that I loved. And I walked into both of those days not planning for them to happen. And I can look back in through the story of my life and those two things have brought about some of the greatest levels of transformation ever. I still would not have written the script that way. I still would not have wanted life to go down that way. But something within, and I believe it was the work of God, allowed me to climb up into that tree and see what Jesus was saying to me. And some of you are in a life-altering situation right now. You may be in a script that you did not intend for it to go this way. You did not think that life was headed down this trajectory. You did not think that your story was going to turn out this way. You did not think that by this age you'd be doing this thing with these people around you, living in this city, making this less income. You You did not write the story this way. But God has your attention. And he may have your attention because what he most longs to see happen is that that soul within you, that that 21 grams, that laffy taffy sized thing where God dwells within, that he wants to bring about a soul transformation. And some of us in this room need to start climbing a tree. And it feels scary and it feels risky and we're not sure we want to do it. But there is something that God wants to say to us as we climb up into that tree. You need to move towards soul transformation. You need to be in a place where someone is asking you great questions, where you can receive compassion, where you can be challenged, where you can actually move in the process of a soul transformation. But some of you in this room, you don't just need to climb a tree. Some of you actually need to be a tree for someone else. You need to be a tree for someone else. And some of you have been around here, not for that long because we're only 10 weeks old, um, but you've been around here all 10 weeks. And you've been sitting in the row and you've been listening and you've been nodding your head and each week you sing a little bit more and, uh, and you may actually need to be a tree for someone else. You may actually need to be the kind of person where someone that is trying to see Jesus, trying to figure out who he is, what he has to say in their life, that you actually will be a strong, sturdy tree planted by streams of living water, living out your life holy so that someone can climb up onto you and actually see Jesus. Where you can help them rise above their circumstances where you can help them listen to their life and to their story. I have a friend uh, this last week who, you know, she, she found herself in a situation where she would not have written the script this way. If she, would have, if she would have written her life, it would not have gone down the way that it went down. And she was in a ton of pain and a lot of hurt. 
really struggling. And I watched another couple group of friends just come around her and sort of be that strong, sturdy trunk of a tree that she could climb up on and sort of the, the mess and the, and the pain of what was going on and just sort of go, where is God in all of this? What is he saying? What is he doing? I, I feel like my soul's transforming, but, but I don't know how. Can, can you help me? And some of you are great at that. Some of you are great at being a strong, sturdy trunk of a tree, and you need to let others of us in this room climb up on and actually see Jesus. So whether you need to be a tree or whether you need to climb a tree, soul transformation happens when you invite Jesus into it, the same way that Zacchaeus did. And so one of the ways that we thought that we could actually do this uh, together this week is we've actually uh, created a card, and it's in the seat back in front of you. You can take it out. It's white, it's turned around, and if you turn it around, there's actually words on it. But these are some ways for you to maybe start to take some steps towards God when it comes to a soul transformation. And like we said, this this can be one of those things that feels a little confusing. It feels a little strange because it's like, well, you know, I understand my heart. I understand my mind, it's how I think. I understand my body, it's how I move. But my soul, I mean, it's confusing. And so these are some ways for us to actually take some steps towards God. And that's what the first one is, to actually take steps towards God. And maybe you've actually been neutral for far too long. When you look at your life and when you look at your relationship with Jesus, you have sort of been in the neutral posture for a long time. Maybe if you were to really be honest, you've sort of been in reverse. (laughs) And you've actually been trying to move as far away as you can from God. But maybe a step in soul transformation is you taking a step towards God. And you've been waiting for the right timing. You've been waiting for the right thing. You've been waiting for, you know, the the stars to align. And let me tell you, it's aligned. God is moving towards you. And he wants you to move towards him. Maybe it has to do with recognizing your true identity. And you see yourself a little bit more um, by what you do or, or who you're with. Or, or maybe when you define yourself, you define yourself by your job. Or you define yourself as I'm married or I'm unmarried. Or you define yourself by mom or, or not mom or dad or not dad. Or, or these things that you so hope is going to happen in your life. And, and your identity really comes down to these things or these aspirations or these goals of yours. And maybe you have forgotten that your true identity is as a child of God. And maybe that's a step for you this next week, is to recognize your true identity. Maybe it's to allow grace to have a seat at the table. And you've allowed grace, uh, you haven't really allowed it to have a space in your life over the years. I had lunch with a friend a a couple of months ago, and we were just chatting and talking and and having a conversation. And I said to her, you know, grace really isn't an issue for me in my life. I don't really struggle with grace. And and she lovingly sort of smiled at me, and she said, well, the fact that you just had to tell me that sort of tells me that grace is an issue in your life. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And for some of you, this might be uh, the area where you need to take 
some steps in a soul transformation, to allow grace to actually have a seat at the table. And you sort of have lots of control over how life works. And maybe grace needs to have more of a prominent seat at the table of your life. Maybe this next week, you need to take some steps in nurturing your growth. And God has been doing some things. He's been bringing some things to the surface. There are some areas of your life where where you know you need to actually grow. And you need to nurture it this next week. Maybe you need to invite somebody in. You need to, you know, ask somebody to help give you some accountability so that you can actually nurture the growth that God is doing in your life. Maybe it has to do with submitting to healthy authority. And you've found ways, you know, you're like in your 30s and you've somehow found a ways uh, to actually never have to submit to healthy authority. Um, you just sort of like, when, when, when authority comes, you find a way to get out from underneath it. You've never been in a relationship where somebody challenges you, where somebody speaks the truth to you. And where you put yourself in that posture and you say, I want to learn, I want to grow. You've sort of found a way to, to not submit to healthy authority. Maybe this is a way for you to take a soul transformation step. Maybe it has to do with forging new patterns. And you have all sorts of dreams. You have all sorts of hopes. You're like great at making lists of the things that you're going to do in your life. But your patterns of how you actually do those things are a mess. And, And you need to invite somebody into your life to help you form some new patterns to form some new habits, to form some new disciplines. And, and left to yourself, that just sort of keeps falling apart. And you know that you need to invite somebody in and say, I need to forge some new patterns and I need your help. You know, I, I tend to do this or I tend to do that and I keep, getting, I keep getting messed up. So can you help me forge these new patterns in my life? Maybe it has to do with offering your whole self to God. And you have sort of found a way to sort of section yourself off from God. And when you think about your life, you sort of think about your life as like a little pie chart. And there's like parts of you that, you know, this is the part of me that's family. This is the part of me that's work. This is the part of me that I'll give to God. And this is the part of me that I'll give to friends. And you sort of look at your relationship with God as a nice little pie chart. And you've forgotten that God loves you heart, soul, mind, body, soul. He, he loves all of you and he wants you to love all of him the same way. And maybe this is a week for you to sort of take a step and saying, okay, I'm not gonna live all fractioned. I'm not gonna live as a pie chart. I'm gonna actually give all of myself to God. Or maybe this is the week where you need to receive forgiveness. Maybe it has to do with just sort of a first time in your relationship with God that you've never really come before God and said, God, I, I really want to be in relationship with you. I really, I really want to engage in, in a relationship with you. I, I want to I know you. I want you to know me. And I want you to, I want you to help me. Because on my own, I keep, getting, I keep getting in these messes. So God, will you forgive me? Will you, will you cover these things in my life? And will you help me start anew? Maybe it's right there. Maybe, maybe that's the first place where you need to start, is where you, see, where you receive true forgiveness for the first time. Or maybe it has to do with offering forgiveness to someone else. And there's a relationship 
that you have had and it's been painful. And it's one of those things that even right now while I'm thinking, while I'm talking about it, you're thinking about that person. You're thinking about that person that has just caused so much pain and so much hurt in your story. And literally the last thing that you hoped was going to happen when you came to church tonight was that somebody was going to say, you should probably step into forgiveness. You, were, you would rather a whole message on money than a message on forgiveness tonight. But you know, you know that this is blocking freedom in your life. Because we cannot be free and unforgiven. It's impossible. You cannot be truly free while being in a lack of forgiveness. So whether that's offering it, whether that's receiving it, maybe that's the step you need to take this week. To step into receiving or offering forgiveness. Or that last one is meditating on truth. And you are really good at meditating, but what you meditate is on things that you're worried about. They go over and over and over and over in your mind. And you're not actually meditating on truth. You're meditating on worry. Maybe this is a week for you to take a soul-transforming step in meditating on truth, meditating on God's word, meditating on things that will actually bring you life and bring you freedom. And my hunch is as you looked at this card or as you looked at them on the screen or as you heard me mentioning them, my hunch is that there was probably one that stood out to you. There was probably one that you said, yep, I know. That's where I need to take some steps when it comes to my journey of transformation, when it comes to stepping into allowing this 21-gram, you know, cheese-shaped, sized soul to be transformed. Because this is the place where God dwells. This is the place where God speaks. This is a place where you receive the deepest reminder that you are his child and that you are loved. Because you are not just heart, you are not just mind, you are not just strength, you are soul as well. And God longs for that soul to be truly transformed. You know, one of the ways that um, Jesus actually taught us to engage in that, one of the ways that he actually, uh, you know, said, I want you to regularly do this is through the act of, of communion. And for some of you, um, you may have grown up in the church and regardless of whatever kind of church you grew up in, this was something that you regularly did, whether it was something you did every single week when you, you know, went to mass or whether it was something that you did every once in a while. Um, but, but you knew that, you know, it was sort of this, this act of, of being reminded of the sacrifice of what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and then was resurrected. And uh, it's fun for us because, uh, you know, this is our first communion. We have all sorts of firsts as a church, and we're going to celebrate every single one of them. So this is our first communion as a church in our services. And we thought that it would be fitting to do this tonight because it's, it's in the posture of communion when we come to the table that we are reminded of the great sacrifice that has been shed for us and the great sacrifice that actually allows us to engage at such a beautiful soul level with our Savior, Jesus. And so what we're going to do in a moment is we're going to actually give each of you an opportunity to just come up to the different tables. There's two in the front, and there's two in the back. We're going to spend some time worshiping together. But what I want to do to you is I actually want to read to you 
when Jesus, for the first time, invited his disciples, when he invited his friends, the people that he most loved, uh, to do this with him. And it says that while they were still eating, Jesus actually took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said this, I want you to take and eat, because this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, because this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to be reminded that we have been forgiven, that we have been loved. We've been loved heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that God actually longs for us to step into a soul-transforming relationship with him. And so I'm going to invite you to come to one of the tables and to just to take off a piece of bread and then to dip it in the cup and to take that. And maybe what you might want to do in that moment is, is take your card with you and maybe make that a moment for you to say, God, this next week, will you help me? Will you help me to take steps towards you, to recognize my true identity, to maybe allow grace to have a seat at the table? to nurture some growth that's happening, to submit to healthy authority, to forge new patterns, to offer my whole self to you, to receive forgiveness, to meditate on truth. So I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to invite you to the tables now. God, thank you. Thank you so much um, for your love, for your grace. Thank you so much that We are more than just heart and mind and strength, but God, that you long to connect to us at the deepest parts of who we are through our soul. And Jesus, I pray that you would help us to take steps towards you in our transforming journey. And God, we pray that this experience now, as we remember your table, as we remember your sacrifice, as we remember what you have done for us, God, We pray that we would be reminded of the great love that was given to each of us. And God, I pray that you would move each of us in our relationship with you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.